You know, God will provide leaders to teach his word, even if there are leaders who don't. That's okay. God will provide leaders who do. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And if you are watching this program for the first time, let me remind you, this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do it every year. This is our 33rd year. We're going to do 34 years next year. It's going to be interesting. Five minutes, we'll talk about Jeremiah chapter 23. It's going to be very, very interesting. Corey is here. Corey? Well, I'm looking at leaders too, but I'm going to be taking a look at the last few kings of Judah and Jerusalem, right? Well, today my segment is actually focused on the prophet Daniel, who lived around the same time as Jeremiah and who later used Jeremiah's prophecies to determine the end of the Babylonian captivity. Very good. They're coming up in 20 minutes time. Janice? It's our Friday wrap-up question of the week. Going to come to you anywhere from Jeremiah chapter 4 through to 25. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 8. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 8. Jeremiah 23, 24, and 25, another series of great chapters as we read through the book of Jeremiah. Now to me, relief is the best way to describe the coming of the Lord. We are all troubled by sin. We're troubled by evil. And when we have been for thousands of years troubled by evil, it gets to us, doesn't it? The natural or general revelation of God is expressed through creation. This testifies of God's existence and magnitude among others. The special revelation is God's expression through the Bible, where God shows us specifically who he is and what his plan of salvation is. 
And then we have the life of Jesus Christ, God with us, showing us God's love and mission. Imagine then what it will be like when God returns to the earth and lives with humanity again. The Bible tells us that those who have followed Christ will finally be relieved from the sin nature. Sin is a horrible thing. It hijacks our emotions, hijacks our desires, leads us away from God. But when God returns, we will finally have the fulfillment of our faith and we will be free from sin, restored in our relationship with God. And as Jeremiah puts it, we will live in our own land. <laughs> that is really, really great. Now take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we read the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah. This is fascinating. Now the Bible guide you can get a hold of by calling us or writing to us, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can click on the page. And when you do so, it takes you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donation. We don't suggest an amount. Uh, we simply say that God will speak to you. We trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you. But takes you to another page where you can download it exactly how we printed it. And uh, you can have your own copy for your computer. Today, their own land. Father, I pray today, as we read the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah, as we open up our hearts to hear from you, help us to understand what it says and help us to hear without other interruptions, phones or anything else. Help us to hear what you're saying in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Now let's look at this because this is really important. Jeremiah 23 verses one and two begins this way. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Wow. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock. You've driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. Wow. You see, leading people away from God is sin. And leaders will be judged for it. Leading people away from God is sin. And leaders will be judged for it. We must always pay attention to the Bible, the word of God. That's God's wonderful word. As we pay attention to God's wonderful word, it has listed in it what sin is. And that's what we need to pay attention to. Because we need to look at sin. We don't need to define what we, how do we feel about this? How do we feel? doesn't matter how we feel about it. Look at the Bible. Because the Bible tells us. It is the objective truth. Very, very important. As we continue reading through the scripture, we go to chapter 23, verse 3. It says this. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up their shepherds over them, who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, 
that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. This is, I mean, there's so much we could say here. But God will provide leaders who teach his word. We must teach and lead from the authority of God's word only because the head of the church, I'm going to make an announcement here on this program. I'm going to tell you who the head of the church is. Are you ready for it? The head of the church, the supreme commander of everything is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. He's the commander. And beloved, we need to get our lives straightened out with his word. We need to do what he said and teach what he said because this is what Matthew 28 tells us to do. Very, very important. Now, let's go to chapter 23, verse 7 and 8. It says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say as the Lord lives, who brought up children for children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. God is doing that and has done it. God will give us ownership in the future if we serve him today. He will give us ownership in the future if we serve him today. Our best life is not now, but it will be coming soon in the future with God. Now, I need to tell you, this is a really fascinating scripture because it speaks about God's people coming home. And there have been the last 40 years, many people coming back to Israel. It has started to happen. In fact, I don't know if it's over, but it's, most of it has happened. I mean, you've got nearly 10 million people in Israel now. That's incredible. It is totally incredible. Go back to Mark Twain's day and you can figure out there was barely anybody there. Jerusalem now has nearly a million people in it. That's incredible. It never had that kind of population in it, but now it does. God has revitalized the land. And let me tell you something, people want to attack it. They want to kill it. They want to stop it because that's, there's a spiritual battle going on. And we have to understand it. So we must, Psalm 122, verse 6, we must pray for Jerusalem. We must pray for Israel. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for the nation of Israel, of which I'm grafted in, I'm a part. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would strengthen it and help it today. Thank you, Father, for doing what your scripture has told us to do. Thank you for doing that. We are in the middle of prophecy right now. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us and show us your ways. We thank you and we praise your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, all of us said together, amen. Now listen carefully. Things are going to happen in the next year. Things are going to happen in the next few weeks, next few months that are very significant. Pay attention because God is doing his work in Israel. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now, 
You can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Now, as we continue to read through Jeremiah, we realize really quickly that Jeremiah is alive near the end of the country of Judah, near the end of the reigns of the kings of Jerusalem. And uh, so today, you and I are going to be taking a look at those last kings of Judah in Jerusalem. These are descendants of David. They have varying assessments of their reigns, you could say, from Kings and Chronicles. So take a look here at these last kings of Judah and Jerusalem. The last four kings of Judah ruled over uncertain times from their capital city of Jerusalem. They bore the famous lineage of David and Solomon, and while their citizens remained loyal to the royal bloodline, the monarchy had undoubtedly lost much of its power. Jehoahaz was the 16th son of Solomon to take the throne of Jerusalem, and his short-lived kingship was all in thanks to the political aspirations of his father, King Josiah. Josiah was a godly king, but he had died in battle trying to influence world politics. The Egyptian army was marching to Carchemish to support the last-ditch effort of Assyria to resist the rising Neo-Babylonian Empire. Since Judah had long been subject to Assyria, Josiah was hoping to see Assyria and Egypt defeated. In reality, he only succeeded in swapping overlords for his sons. Jehoahaz lasted a mere three months on the throne before the Egyptians stopped at Jerusalem, took him captive, and replaced him with his brother Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was now an Egyptian vassal king. He was allowed to rule over a Judah loyal to Egypt and had to send yearly tribute to prove it. Three years into Jehoiakim's reign, he was forced to switch Jerusalem's allegiances again, becoming a Babylonian vassal in the face of the Babylonian military. At this point, the prophet Jeremiah warned against any rebellion, but to no avail. Ever loyal to the pharaoh that had made him king, Jehoiakim eventually rebelled against Babylon. Quickly after this rebellion, he died or was murdered, leaving his 18-year-old son Jehoiachin to deal with the Babylonian response. It didn't go well. Jehoiachin, most of the royal family, courts, royal wealth, soldiers, and skilled craftsmen were taken away to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar did all but destroy the city. He left what he thought was a thoroughly humiliated people who knew the consequences of rebellion. He appointed 21-year-old Zedekiah of the royal family to be his new vassal king. For Zedekiah, the writing was on the wall, or more accurately, in the books of Jerusalem's prophets. He rebelled by defaulting on his tribute payments, resulting in a two-year siege and the destruction of Jerusalem's wall, city, palaces, and the Temple of Solomon. So there we go, these last few kings of Judah and Jerusalem that Jeremiah interacted with. He knew these guys. We see him, you know, I I interacting with them in his book in some really interesting ways. You know, it's uh, it, it, you say it's interesting, and it is. One of the, one of the keys is... They, we see it from our perspective. We see Jeremiah, but we don't see the other prophets because there are other prophets talking to these kings. Yes, absolutely. So they didn't, you know, they didn't listen to Jeremiah, but, you know, 
obviously, if they were listening to the other prophets, they would say, "Well, it's hope, and we've got to keep positive and all." Yeah, that. and that sounds like it's the right thing to believe. Hope and the fact that God's going to continue you on, and He's not going to abandon His sanctuary, and He's not going to abandon the covenant that He had with Abraham and with Even David. Even though they have violated every single one of the Absolutely. things God said to them. Absolutely. So you've got one man standing. You know, saying the truth, you need to surrender to Babylon. You have everyone else saying, "No, there's still hope. Hold on through it. Never give up. Never surrender." It would have been tough to be there on the ground. And I would like to say that I would have wholeheartedly followed Jeremiah, but I don't know. <laughs> I hope so, <laughs> because there'd be right. a lot of people pressure and a and a lot of socioeconomic pressure. And mm-hmm. yeah. Do you it's want to get a, do you want to get assassinated by your officials or do you want to die at the hands of the Babylonians? And you would have to and if you did not have a relationship with God, you would have to trust in God. Yeah. And so if you did not have a relationship with him, then how can you trust in him? It's yeah, a complicated it's, thing. It really is, and it's unfortunate. We know what they should have done. So the but answer, their lives mm-hmm. were complicated. The answer to the question, it's not hope and it's not thinking positive all the time. Yeah. It's obedience to God. Obedience to God. And we see through Jeremiah's prophecy that there was hope, even in judgment, but they were going to have to go through the consequences of their actions. If first. they got themselves right with God. Yeah. That's the that's the key. <laughs> yeah. That, we, that's the are, key. When we commit our lives to follow God, do we? Mm-hmm. Do that's we? A good and question. do we know his word? Because Jeremiah was speaking his word. Yeah. Very but sometimes we don't want to hear that word because mm-hmm. it's not nicety nice all the time. No. Ryan, it means go ahead. change. It does. <laughs> all right. Well, you might think that it's a little bit early to be talking about the prophet Daniel, but in fact, Daniel and Jeremiah and even Ezekiel were all contemporaries, although granted Daniel was a lot younger. In fact, Daniel was a part of the first deportation of Judah, and this happened when he was apparently only a teenager. But later, we find the aged Daniel studying these prophecies of Jeremiah, which we're now reading, to determine when the end of the Babylonian captivity would be. Check it out. The Jewish prophet Daniel was among the first group of captives taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar in 605 BC. He was young, good-looking, intelligent, and full of social graces. And, according to the Jewish-Roman historian Josephus, he even belonged to the royal family that produced King Zedekiah. Nevertheless, Daniel was soon to be stripped of that identity and assimilated into a full-fledged Babylonian. As a part of the brainwashing process, his name, which means God is my judge, was changed to Belteshazzar, meaning Bel protect the king. And he was probably emasculated as well. However, though they changed Daniel on the outside, they could not change his heart. As a matter of fact, though Daniel was probably no more than 17 years of age at the time of his deportation, he was already a man of tremendous faith and integrity, whom God had blessed with knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and understanding in all visions and dreams. As a result of these unique gifts and characteristics, Daniel was made governor over Babylon, and throughout his lifetime was able to influence as many as 13 kings and four kingdoms. And, wicked though most of the kings were, Daniel's counsel, courage, and absolute integrity often turned them away from idolatry and led them to recognize the power of the true God. This was seen most dramatically in King Nebuchadnezzar, who, after several unfortunate episodes, finally humbled himself before the Almighty and proclaimed him alone as God. Though by the time of King Belshazzar, Daniel was no longer a part of the government, 
it would be he who interpreted the writing on the wall. The drunken and revelous Belshazzar had been weighed and measured, and found severely lacking. So God divided his kingdom, and gave it to the Medes and the Persians that very night. With Belshazzar now dead and Darius the Mede firmly established on the throne, Daniel is once again re-established as ruler over the entire realm. Although he ends up being cast into a den of ferocious lions as a result of some jealous conspirators, God shuts the mouth of the hungry beasts, and Daniel was brought out alive and unscathed. King Darius, amazed and relieved, honors the god of Daniel, and in turn has the conspirators, as well as their families, cast into the lion's den to be destroyed. Daniel would go on to prosper in the reigns of both Darius and Cyrus the Persian. Truly, Daniel was a man of rare faith. Indeed, his contemporary Ezekiel placed him in the same ranks as Noah and Job. In fact, by faithfully studying the prophecies of Jeremiah, another of his contemporaries, Daniel realized that the 70 years of Jewish captivity were about to expire. And through his faithful prayers, the angel Gabriel appeared to him, calling him greatly beloved which is the same way Jesus referred to the Apostle John. As Dr. David Jeremiah observes, Daniel and John also share another parallel. They are the two greatest sources of prophetic revelation in the Bible. Because of their faithfulness and obedience, God disclosed revelation to them, not given to any others. You know what I really appreciate about Daniel is that he lived most of his life in a pagan nation, namely Babylon, and yet, he remained positive and totally obedient to the Lord, even when he was persecuted. He didn't fear men. He only feared God. Just as we can take Jeremiah's life as an example of how we as believers should live, we can do the same thing with Daniel. Our world today is a lot like the one that these prophets were living in. The world is offended by everything but sin. And so my prayer for all believers is, Lord, help us to be like Daniel and Jeremiah, who were obedient and imitators of you. Lord, help us to remain faithful to you and to proclaim your name no matter where we are, because when we proclaim your name, people witness the power of the living Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven and of earth. Amen. You know, I, that's true. And I've been told that, uh, I was told one time we went to a meeting, I was told not to use the name of Jesus Christ because it would offend some people. So you know what I did? I used the name of Jesus Christ and mm. I quoted John 316 mm. and I got in trouble afterwards. Um, and I'm not going to not use the name of Jesus Christ. He's the reason that I live the way I do. Mm -hmm. He's the reason that I have any hope. It's because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, now's not the time to to be doing things like that. We need, we need to you know, speak the truth. Because Absolutely. there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the only name under heaven by which we can be saved. That's exactly right. And that's what they told Peter and Paul, or Peter and uh, John, John, when they were, you know, chided and talked to by the council, you know, don't use this name, Jesus, again. And, and Peter says, should we, not, should we not offend you or not offend God? Mm -hmm. I mean, what would you do? And he's, it's obvious he, he had to use the name of Jesus Christ. So uh, this, this becomes very, very important today. So that's really interesting. Unfortunately, right? it's used in a very negative way, negative, mm -hmm. terrible way in our society. And people don't even recognize the fact that they are using He's, it in that way. His name is sacred and he and, and is powerful. powerful. It is there. Franklin Graham wrote the book, The Name, and uh, he's right in that book. Very, very interesting. I know we're running out of time, but I just have to say that because mm. 
The name of Jesus Christ is strong, powerful. That's the name we stand on. He rose from the dead in the flesh. I believe that with all my heart, mind, and soul. There is nothing anybody can do to change that because that's what I believe. Okay. All right. I'm done with my speech. Question? Okay. Question. Go ahead. Right. Here we go. All right. So this Friday wrap-up question of the week from our reading anywhere from Jeremiah chapter 4 all the way through 25, which takes us up to today's reading. All right. Here we go. Jeremiah spoke to the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord at that time. And told him that the Lord did not call him by the name Pasher anymore. What was the name that God had given him, that God would call him? You're really glad she has examples, mm. don't you? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, is this Megar Misabib? Is it Mayor Shalal Hashbaz? Or is it Malki Shua? Which of those names? So Jeremiah spoke to the priest, who was also chief governor, it's just easy. repeating the question, <laughs> not to everyone. He was also chief governor in the house of the Lord at that time and told him that the Lord did not call him by the name Pasher anymore, but called him this, Megor Misabib, Meir Shalal Hashbaz, or Malkai Shua. Boy, I'm glad I did a segment on this yesterday. <laughs> I am glad you did too. I really am glad you did too. <laughs> so we're going to go with Megor Misabib. Number one. Number one. Are you I totally agree. Totally agree. Oh, the other two are the sons of Isaiah, but go ahead. Well, what do you think? You at home. One, two, or three. If you chose number one, Megor Misabib, you are absolutely right. Let me read it to you. Jeremiah 20. Verse 3, and it happened on the next day that Pasher brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. And Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Pasher, but Megor Misabib. That's Jeremiah 20, verse mm -hmm. 3. Yeah, the, because he was, was going to be trouble. He was going to be a terror. It literally yes. means fear on every side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not good. This was not a good. Yeah. It wasn't like a nice renaming. The Lord renaming. doesn't call you by your name. He calls you terror. He calls you fear. On every yeah. side. You're gonna on be every besieged side. Every reason. Mm -hmm. So that would be that would be very bad. Bad news. Bad yeah. news. But so good news if you got the answer right. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's carry on. Rumble is a great social media platform and we're a part of it. Bible Discovery TV is on it. If you want to see the programs on a daily basis, you can just get Rumble on your phone. You can get Rumble on your computer. You can get Rumble however you want to get it. And you can go to it and you can watch the programs every day with no breaks and no interruptions. Very, very good. 
Now, we need to pray, Lord, I desire to serve you today, always. Please help me to do so.